0: Hey ladies, you are in for a special treat today. I got to sit down and have a conversation with my friend, Katie May, and she is a podcast host and leader of the intimacy intimacy revolution. We just really talked a lot about Katie's background and her as a relationship coach, and she specializes in intimacy and connection how her own challenging marriage that led her to focus on her development through coaching. We talked about control. We talked about her coping mechanisms that she did use wine. So she has some experience with that. But just really this journey of self-awareness and how you're showing up in your marriage and what you want your marriage to look like and your relationships. And just the, the fact that we all have a path to healing, We talked about how we're still currently working with coaches, and that's something that, you know, at the end she talks about not wanting to DIY this life, and I love that concept because, you know, I'm not about that either. Let's really set our intention and create this desire for more in our lives, and I know this conversation is going to bless you and encourage you and give you tangible tactical usable steps that you can take to show up new and be aware of what's going on inside of yourself inside of your relationship enjoy the episode hey sister are you newly alcohol free but you've been hanging on for dear life hoping you don't fall backward Welcome to Set Free Sisterhood. Hey, friends. Today I have Katie May with me, one of my amazing friends. And thanks for being here, Katie. Hi, thank you for having me, Michelle.
1: Very excited to be here.
0: <laughs> yes, me too. So we've been chatting before. We connected like 30 minutes before we're actually hitting record. And I love it because we've been catching up on life and our stories and just kind of where we are as we're coming into the holiday season. Not sure when I'm going to produce this episode, but I think it's going to be the perfect timing for the women who need to hear it. Katie, I just want you to, let's just start with sharing who you are, what you like, what your mission is, and then we'll kind of go
1: into your story and we'll see what God has for us today. Sounds like a plan, man. Um, Yeah, I, so as you had said, I'm Katie May. I am a relationship coach. I specialize in helping high achieving women uh, experience and create the intimacy and connection and their relationships that they truly desire to have. That's the short part of what I do. <laughs> Um, how I got there was, uh, just an absolute God divine intervention, if you will. (laughs) It's, it's like that, you know, it's, it's just like a true Testament to faith when you look back at your journey and when you were in the midst of it, you're just like, what is like, what am I doing in my life? Hmm. There was so much of that for me for so long. And then it's like, now I look back and I go. Oh like that makes so much sense. So um in short I I became I became a relationship coach because I had a very very challenging marriage myself and um I was absolutely committed to make it work at all costs. Um my husband and I were together since high school so we grew up together practically um thought we were doing all the right things. You know, we were what we got married right at. We got engaged in college. We graduated college. We got married after college. We had five years before we had our first kid. We saw several therapists, all the things, um, thought we were doing, doing the things all right. But my marriage was still sinking and Nothing that I seemed to do really made a difference in the long term, which is when I came face to face with my own personal responsibility with how I was truly showing up independently in my life. And if I was honest, I was far too focused with my relationship and my marriage for so many years of my life, and I was so unhappy with my relationship, that it, that it took my sight off of how I was just showing up as a human. Hmm. Was I proud of how I was showing up as a wife? Was I proud of how I was, you know, being a mom or just living life in general? If my husband was taken out of the equation and I just looked at me and this was something that God himself held a big fat mirror up, <laughs> up to me one one very very hard day as I was crumpled up on the floor of my closet having my first panic attack and I just heard him say like have you really tried everything Katie like like you tried everything and I was just like you know I actually haven't sat in front of a therapist on my own I haven't even actually like sat in front of a coach on my own. It's all been marriage related. Mm. Right. Yeah. So that's the, that's the backstory of, um, a very long journey, but it's been a great journey. And, uh, I learned so much about myself. I found you, I hired you as my life coach. That was a huge part of my own personal growth as well. Um, And I actually discovered coaching itself when I got, I got hired at a job to do consultative sales and they trained me in coaching. And I was like, Oh, this is what relationships need, right? This is what women need in their relationships period. Because, you know, we know we were talking about this beforehand. We don't ever have any control truly over the other person in our relationship. And we really don't have any control over whether our relationship fails or succeeds. We have influence. We have the power of influence over it. Um, But we cannot be influential in the ways that we want to be influential if we are not clear about ourselves, if we do not take care of ourselves, if we do not, if we're unaware of our own feelings, all of the things, right? We can't communicate effectively. So that's, that's what I do. I help, I work with women who are dissatisfied. Ultimately, their relationship is usually their biggest pain point. They're high achievers. They're not very aware of their own emotions um, like I was. And um, I help them just get real with themselves and dive deep and get clear, And then they can make decisions a lot better moving forward about their relationships, regardless of what that looks like.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And we were also speaking about how what I do and what you do goes so well together Um, because we that relationships do get a huge focus, but it is more of what's wrong. Is this going to work? How can I change him? Will he change? Things like that. Before we talk a little bit more about how you even have a history of coping with wine, tell me a little bit more just to clarify when you say, you know, we can't control the outcome, but we can influence. Yeah. Only when we know truly who we are. Cause I just got a visual too of myself and my experience before I walked through my journey of healing. And I thought that, um, that my part was to control
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. and clearly yeah. that Same girl, <laughs>
0: Clearly that doesn't work. So how could you articulate and maybe even share with some women like, Oh, what does it look like to influence and not just
1: control my spouse or the circumstance? Yeah, that's actually such a good question because I didn't even know I was trying to control him. (laughs) That was not a thing I was aware of. So I'm, and I, and not a lot of women are Um, I hear this a lot whenever I talk to a woman and they're dissatisfied with the results. We'll say the results outcome that they're getting within their marriage with their relationship when they ask him to help them, whatever the case is. I hear a lot of them say, but I have told him, but I have asked, Mm -hmm. right? And then I say, yeah, but how? Yeah. And so when we go back to look, ladies, when this is this is the I, first of all, I got to lay this all out there. I do what I do because I had a very difficult relationship because I also was very toxic in my own relationship and I didn't realize it. It was all with the best of intentions that I thought I was doing what was right by me and by my family that I had the right to, while I had the right to all of my feelings, I didn't have the right to how I responded in my feelings. Yeah. And I was also just the extra wrong in the equation. He was wrong, but so was I, right? And we always have those two parts. And so if you're not clear about what your part is, if you're not clear about how maybe you're showing up wrong, like for instance, in my in my particular um, situation, what he was doing was causing me pain. And therefore I justified it to cause him pain verbally, right? I was very verbally abusive. I was very aggressive when I was hurt. Um, And uh, in that particular moment, I felt justified, I had people justify my me for my response, because it's like, well, yeah, who wouldn't respond like that? And it's like, you know what, at the end of the day, if I'm just standing between me and my God, if I'm just looking at myself in a mirror, do I like the person that just came out? Mm -hmm. And my answer was no, you know? And so when we talk about the difference between influencing versus controlling, influencing is first of all, the biggest influence that we can have within our relationships is our own behavior. Like period. Yeah. Right. So, so many women want to talk, talk, talk and tell, tell, tell and uh, complain, criticize my, my three, three favorite things to teach on are the three mistakes women make are they're coming from a place of complaint, criticism, or comparison. And so often they feel so clearly like, well, I have told him, but in all reality, they just said, oh, well, I did this. I did this. I did this. And all you do is go to work and come home. It's Like, well, you you, you told them you were pissed and you told them you overloaded your schedule and you complained a lot and you criticized him and that, but there was no like healthy communication. And so that's what I mean by if you, if you're sitting there, you want your husband to come alongside you and go to the gym. You want your husband to be healthier. You want him to read books and listen to podcasts and come with you on this growth journey or wherever you are. Maybe you just want him to help you out more. Right the most influential thing you can do is show up the very best version of yourself. So he sees, wow, she's really made some changes. Wow. She really seems a lot happier. Like I want what she has. Right. And that goes for kids too. Like 90% of what we do in our life, our kids pay attention to what we do. Not what we tell them. Right. It's caught, not taught. And so that's in short, like, well, a very long answer, actually, (laughs) in response to that is the most, the biggest influence we have is to show up as the best version of ourselves each and every day. Mm -hmm. And that, yeah, that's it. That's all there is to it. Controlling is when you're trying to focus on what they're doing, how they're meeting your needs or not meeting your needs. And then how you're going to either manipulate a situation, be passive aggressive, just flat out abrasive or rude to try to get your needs met. That's control. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's perfect because that's where we can talk a little bit more of what that looks like when we're standing before the Lord and holding up the mirror. And there are, I can't, I can't see myself blockers such as over drinking over, yeah. All the overings that we do for me, it was avoiding. That was my main coping mechanism. Um, so what does that look like in your world and your experience to have re- recognized it, have the awareness really saw yourself in a place of, oh, wow, I don't really like this version and what's showing up and how I want to be inside of this relationship, whether it's a mom, wife, whatever. Where did you cope and then what did you do to change it?
1: Yeah, so that's why I mean, that was a big attraction for me with you um, when I saw your content about drinking is like because when I came when I came to you, I wasn't necessarily struggling with the coping of wine anymore or with wine. Um, but I related to what you understood about why we cope with wine. And I love that you do this because wine is such a socially acceptable way to get drunk. <laughs> like yeah. like if, if people just like, oh, it's fine. I'm drinking, I'm drinking wine. It's like, no one's like, you know, oh, but, but, oh, I'm drinking vodka. I'm drinking tequila. People start like, you know, it's like, but wine, you're like, it's fine. It's just wines. It's, it's grape juice. It's cool. It's Like, no, it's the same. Hello. Um, but, but it's, yeah, cause it's like, it's inundated within our culture. It's like, we would drink so much with his family. We'd go to wine tastings. It was just, and then I realized, what was it? Like my relationship with, with wine was complicated because, um, it did just kind of sneakily enter into it being like, a, a problem for me in the sense of it kept me from feeling my feelings mm. right it was the adult pacifier if you will which stunted me from growing um it was the oh my gosh I'm so stressed I'm so anxious I can't wait till that clock hits four maybe three I don't know, depending on the day <laughs> and 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 I just can't wait to pop that bottle to sit down on the couch because I deserve that glass of wine so that I can relax so that I my body could feel at ease. And then it was like, wake up in the morning, pump myself full of caffeine. And then again, wait until I could relax. Right. And then I noticed too, where it was like, we're going out. Well, it's Saturday night. I can drink all day on Saturday because it's Saturday, right? Like that's acceptable. And then it was like, why do I, I drink before I get to play a party because we're going to drink at the party, but I need to drink before I go to the party. Well, why do I need to do that? Well, because I had social anxiety. I didn't even know that. Right. Like mm. if you meet me, you assume I I'm pretty social. You right. assume I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty extroverted person, but in all reality, I learned the skill of socialization. And I learned how to manage communication and manage my environment through communicating with people and connecting with people. But in all reality, I had a lot of anxiety about being around people. And so I used wine to cope with a lot. It was like, I'm anxious. I want some wine. I'm feeling stressed. I want some wine. I'm my husband's pissing me off. I get an extra glass like you name it. And that was, that was, gosh, that went on for, I don't even know, like years, probably. But um, we had our, we all, we each had our own coping mechanisms. You know, he would, he would also drink and then he also really took part in marijuana in a big way. So we were both just numbing out our pain and our discomfort instead of sitting there and looking at it and, and not in a shameful way, but just like, one, it was one day I just kind of was like, "Why do I need this glass of wine before I get to a party? Like, I just was curious with myself about it. And I was yeah. like, why do I need this? And that was kind of like a realization of like, you're actually like anxious about going to be around these people. And then that, that lit up a whole other line of questions, right?
0: hmm I love how you said, get curious. Um, Cause that's what can open up so many doors. And that's what <laughs> you know, I work with so many women. And that is part of the process of like, wait a minute, why do I believe that? Or what is it that I actually do believe? Or what just made me respond in that way to that, that simple thing. Why did I get so angry? Or why did I respond? It was just a, a sentence, you know? And yes. we live in such a distraction and reaction world and we're not taught these things. And I was the same. I mean, our story, which like most of my women that I work with, we could just set it side by side because it shows you that same pattern of, you know, that was the same way when you were, I knew you were going to say four o'clock and I was like, well, depends on what day. Is it, snow day? <laughs> Is it a snow day? You know, chip, sauce it's, and wine, you know, Right. <laughs> Kids at, at Taco Tuesday, right? <laughs> so just recognizing that and getting curious, and then being able to look in the mirror and go, "Okay, what is it that I really want?" Then so obviously you knew that this was not healthy for you. What was your process, and how did you begin to to walk that part out of understanding of like, "Hey, you know, I am a little bit anxious." socially or I am triggered by the fact that my husband and I are not connecting what was the beginning of the path back I always say back home to ourselves back home to ideally who God created us to be can be the journey
1: the rest of our lives but do you remember like a moment where you're like okay I I don't anymore I don't I'm trying I'm trying to think about it in the sense of like there, you know, like you said, like there's just like this one moment that needs to take place, but I can't, I cannot think of that. Sorry, mom, did you need something? What?
0: <laughs> Real life stuff here y'all. <laughs> Cause I don't go, I don't go in and edit. So. <laughs> um, my,
1: my, yeah. Mom came in. I should have, I just should have introduced her. No, seriously, um,
0: I love that you can't remember because I think that yeah. sometime a block for us, if we feel like we need the big breakthrough, the big piece yeah. of God or light bulb when honestly it can be tiny little nuggets of, it
1: was. huh, yeah. this isn't really what I want. It was very much, it was very much that because I like, um, I, Back to my journey of just coming face to face with you no know, matter what I'm doing, my relationship isn't working. And I had, I had a few conviction moments where it's like, it's two glasses of wine a night, like we're talking half a bottle of wine. Like, it's not really necessary, Katie. You know, like, dude, you drink a lot. Like I had some of that dialogue going in with myself, right? Um, but then it was like, when I really started down my own path of healing, of just getting real with myself of sitting and doing that, I did EMDR trauma therapy was my first introduction to like, uh, true healing. Um, and, uh, when I first started to work with my therapist, I found like, yeah, why that was when I really was like, why do I do this? And, and honestly, and I talk to a lot of women also who struggle with this very thing too, um, is because it all, and I, a lot of it comes down to just, we don't like something about ourselves or innately, we don't like ourselves mm-hmm. and we're hiding from that. Um, cause it just feels so uncomfortable to be in our own thoughts and feelings. Yep. Um, I had no, I had no idea that we could control our thoughts I mean, I mean, have have choice over what thoughts we get to keep, or even have awareness of our thoughts. I didn't even know that. And so, you know, uh, so much of it was just hiding from my own thoughts about myself. And when I started down the path to healing myself and practicing metacognition, which is just the fancy word of being aware of your thoughts and um, releasing the trauma, I didn't even know I needed to recover from, you know, little by little, I just I didn't need that. I didn't need it. I didn't need it that anymore, you know, and so it was very much like a, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I just don't, I just don't desire it. You know, like, I work out, I take care of myself, I like myself, you know, like, I do the healthy things for myself now that I wasn't doing before versus like, like, Oh, I'm just going to sit down. And the best thing I have to look forward to at the end of my day is a glass of wine and me binging Netflix, you know? Mm. And that was like, that just no longer appealed to me anymore. Mm. I loved it. Yeah. Cause that's basically
0: the, you rewired your thoughts and beliefs by just navigating and exploring and trying new things. And because that's the, that's the deal. Most women that are, that we're speaking to that are just over drinking or in the habit loop, or they'll say, Oh, I'm just stressed and I need to relax. It's because they are covering up, avoiding all the things that we do. It's just straight up coping. And that's what has to come out is understanding. Oh, well, well, what else could relax me? What else could feel uplifting? And what else could I go to? Because we have to cope. Sometimes there is God's way of coping. There's a healthy ways of coping because that is a, yeah, that's a regulation and a, and a mechanism, so to speak that we need. Yeah. But for me and for a season in your life too, it sounds like that was just like the one thing that we get, went to where then I had to open up and go, oh, that's really not really relaxing me anyway. It's just numbing me and putting a pause on this. All this crap's coming back the next day versus now. Oh, how can I truly relax? What <laughs> does that actually feel like? How do I define it? What is something else? Yeah.
1: I yeah. I, I laugh. Because um, when you say all the crops coming back the next day, it's like, it's, su- it's such a lie that we tell ourselves when we're in that place of like, like you said, this is gonna relax me. This is gonna help me feel better, whatever. Maybe you're not even completely aware of that narrative for yourself. But um, I, it wasn't like a conscious thought of like, this is helping me. It was just a matter of big picture looking out you know, hindsight 2020, it was really, it was really just me lying to myself. And that like, we talked a little bit about this before we, we launched into this about the fear of if I make this change, what if my marriage fails? If I make these changes, what if my relationship doesn't work out? That's, that's a fear that I deal with all the time. And I had myself, and I was on the cautionary tale, like my marriage did not end up working out, even though I made all of these changes. And as a result of this, I always tell women, and this is just very related to all the crap coming back the next day is like the, the question is not whether you need to stay or whether you need to go. The question is um, the the fact that you have any kind of uncertainty in this area is that you need to isolate the real decision is, are you where you wanna be in life, hmm. right? And and here's the thing, it's like, if you make, if you stay where you're at, and this is always such a powerful question, because I'm like, if you just stay where you're at, doing what you're doing right now, do you think your marriage is gonna work? And the, the answer is almost always no, Yep. right? And so because they're because they're on the I mean, they're on the call with me for a reason, like things are not good. And so they're like, absolutely not. And I go, so while you have the fear of making these changes, I get it. The lie we're telling ourselves that we're believing is that if we stay put, if we stay doing what we're doing, we're, we're gonna, we're we're safe somehow. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's the same with that coping mechanism belief, because it this is going to help me. This is going to make me feel better. It's like, yeah, but for how long and from what? Right. Like, it's going it, to, it's if we don't actually turn around and look at like, what are we needing to feel better from, which is the scariest thing to do. Right. I always say it's like, that's my, I'm like, I say, like, let's dig down deep, grab the fear by its feet, pull it out, shine a light on it. It's not that scary when you do it. Right. But just the, thought of actually having to face that what if my marriage fails oh my gosh what if what if my relationship falls apart what if you know my mom stops talking to me what if I lose my friends like wine is a huge social thing right there's so much that comes to just not drinking anymore that maybe you've maybe a whole friend and family around everyone drinking and then what do you do then when you're not drinking anymore? And so whatever your fear is, that's my biggest question. It's just like, you have to stop and ask yourself, like, are you really, truly protecting yourself from that fear anyways? Or are you just prolonging it? Right? That's like the the avoidance. My one more thing, I know this is long winded, but my favorite, well, is uh, by Brendan Burchard, and it's avoidance will always give you short-term comfort, but ensure long-term suffering.
0: Absolutely.
1: (laughs) That's exactly what we do when we go for those short-term coping things like wine, right?
0: Mm, Absolutely. And that's really what we're doing inside of coping period is the avoidance. And then for for me, it just carried over to a lot of parts of me inside of my relationship with my spouse and my kids where i just kind of became sort of this i just felt like sort of in it fake like you said just looking in and going who who is this i didn't want to control that didn't feel good to me but i didn't really know what else to do because i was the same way too i didn't know that i didn't even know that i had all the thoughts going on to be able to look at them to be able to know that i could actually choose to keep them or not and it's yeah. in those little moments, we recognize that it's like, whoa. And obviously that's so much of my mission in the many episodes on the podcast. Or let's start, let me start opening up your mind and your perspective to seeing what other solutions you may have or have light bulb moments. But the biggest thing for me, and I want to talk about this before we finish, is actually feeling your emotions Mm-hmm. and expressing your emotions and why that is the most healing gateway to freedom out of, to me, like that's the biggest thing. And I didn't even, I avoided everything. I stuffed, I recycled, whatever terminology we want to use. And, <laughs> so, and I'm not one of those yep. crazy people that's like, oh my God, I love feeling my emotions now. No, sometimes they <laughs> feel really scary and big, but I know yeah because my belief is now I have to feel this to get to the freedom to get to the clarity to be able to make clear decisions to be able to really get to know myself more so tell me about that because you also said you didn't really feel your emotions either
1: feel it to heal it right (laughs) to heal it That was a, it was also a really, really great part of working with you because I had already worked with a therapist and I had worked with some coaches, but I didn't realize to the depths that you worked within feelings. Um, that's not usually like what most coaching is about. And that makes you very special. Um, but also, uh, I work with my women on this as well, because it was funny, literally just yesterday, we were talking about this very thing in my group and because I run a membership program and the women were, we were talking about feeling the feelings. Right. And I was like, how many of you guys heard the phrase growing up? You better stop crying or I'm going to give you something to cry about. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> and every single one of us raised our hands, right? And I was like, so guys, this is like a generational thing. It's something we like get together and laugh about growing up now, or maybe shoot, even have said to our own kids at some point, right? Like my, my, <laughs> my point is, is we got the message from an entire generation that emotions are not okay. Right. Unless they're in, unless they're in a quiet, how many women will start to cry in front of people and the. First words out of their mouth is, "I'm sorry."
0: Yep, right. I hear it. Like, all
1: right. oh yeah. I mean, I mean myself. Me too, right? Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, right? Let me cover my face and I, oh, I'm embarrassed. I'm crying. like, and it's like, so guys, we have so much as just a society and a generation to like undo, right? I mean, thank God we have these tools now and we're learning about all of this stuff now, but. Yeah, for me, it was like everything for me came out as anger. We talk talk a lot about this, right? It's like my classic coping mechanism with dealing with my feelings was as hurt as I was, I came out angry. So I was that was my protection mechanism. You call it what it will you will. Um, I actually used to literally look at my husband and say, I'm not because he all he saw and all he received from me was anger and hatred and contempt, right? And I'm just devastated inside. I'm just hurting. And all he saw was that. So he would always say, would say so you're so angry, so angry. And I would say, "I, you know me by now. I'm not I'm not angry. I'm hurt. And it's like, and I would place that responsibility on him to see past how I was actually presenting myself, and see below that and understand that I was actually hurt. Mm. Um. So that was a that was a big thing for me. And my feelings was the safe thing for, safe thing for me to experience growing up was anger, because you can't be vulnerable, or mm. you got to pick up your big girl panties, and get over it, Katie, you know, like those kind of things. And we don't realize how strong those messages and beliefs are surrounding the amount of shame we have in just dealing and feeling, giving ourselves permission to like, I'm sad right now, man. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be sad. No, I want to wake up every freaking day of my life with a smile plastered on my face and love every moment. But we're not Stepford wives like that's not a thing we're not robots so okay i don't want to feel sad but i do so the steps were why why do i feel sad and and it's okay to feel sad and giving myself actual permission to feel all of the uncomfortable positions right oh i'm really i'm really anxious i don't want to feel anxious man like this is ridiculous and so it was like okay you know grab the glass or now it's like man, I feel anxious. I don't want to feel anxious. But like, what is it? What is it that's causing my anxiety? Mm -hmm. What's the thought? What's the belief that's playing into a part of my mind right now that's giving me this anxiety? And it's like, Oh, well, the last time you went over to talk to him about this, you had a really bad experience. And so it Hey, it makes sense that you're anxious. It's okay to feel that way. But guess what? Now we get the power to say, anxiety, you are coming fear, you are coming to protect me from another bad experience, right? But we actually, I actually don't need you in that way right now, because I'm going to go and I'm going to approach this completely differently. And I might have a different experience, right? Like we, we get a chance to actually like, have this inner dialogue. Mm-hmm. And hey, maybe, maybe, maybe the fear is still there. But it doesn't get to sit in the driver's seat. Whereas before pushing it down, avoiding it, fear just came roaring out of my mouth, right? To try to protect me because there was no awareness of it. There was no feeling it. And there sure is shit. No, sorry, excuse me. Uh, There sure is sure that that he wasn't seeing that side of me. Right. And Mm -hmm. this is a big trend in a lot of my, my the people I work with, too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that because I'll use even the language around, you know, what part of you is running the show? You know, that controlling part of me ran the show the majority of my life, but that was only for self-protection. If I controlled the outcome, I controlled your experience of me, I controlled you not getting upset or my kids not hurting or whatever, then I felt safe, which really ended up being very selfish. However, I didn't really know that. I thought that when honestly, by if I loved, then I would be there to support and give my kids space or people I love space to let them have their own experiences. And that's so much yeah. of, until we know ourselves. And what I really heard you say is you came, you began to trust yourself. You begin to yeah. say, okay, anxiety, I realize you're here to protect me and I got this yeah. and I'm going to lead for now. I'm not going to try to resist because so many times women try to resist it or what are we, call it inner critic, whatever, when we can just sort of acknowledge it like you did and have that inner dialogue. Okay, I see, I feel this, where this is coming from. And I'm going to do this anyway because this commitment that I have decided, I'm not staying here. I have to make these changes in order to grow. I have to experience this in order for change because the reason why people usually show up to coaching or therapy or they choose not to and end up staying in the cycle is this, this cycle of stuck
1: yeah yeah well and I think um for me and I I don't know about for you was just um I didn't realize how much shame surrounded it Hmm. like how big of a part shame played right if you're like just how much judgment I had for myself yeah I think on a lot of, I think the easy thing for me to do was to say I was hard on myself, but the thing that I didn't realize was that by being hard on myself, I was hard on everyone else around me. Mm, Same. Yeah. And that's, that's, we're going to talk about what the power is of truly allowing yourself to feel and truly like go into the dark places and face those demons. Like the power of that is you can't give somebody something you don't give yourself. Yeah. And I know right now there's someone listening going, yeah, uh huh, I'm so much nicer to everyone else than I am myself. Yeah. And I, and I, and I'm going to stop and I'm going to say that might be true to a degree because same, except uh, the fact of the matter is, is, my niceness was also even to get my own needs met. Hmm. Like you said, it was in control. It was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go out of my way to make this person, you know, feel great because I want that dopamine hit. I want to feel good about myself or I want to look really good and really helpful or you know, I, I really want to do this, something really nice over here, because that way, I'm going to get my emotional needs met, they're gonna, you know, think I'm a really good wife or a really good friend, and then they're going to reciprocate, right. And it's like, all of this is so subconscious, you guys, you got so mm-hmm. much going on that we just react and respond from. But I didn't realize any of that until I actually dove into it. And when I stopped beating myself up over shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't do this. Oh, I, I'm so mad at myself for this. When I stopped that kind of inner dialogue, or at least challenged it, I realized, you know what, my kid triggered me so bad at dinner time. I don't know why. Why does he trigger me? I get, I get infuriated with him at dinner time. What is going on with this? And I realized, oh well, at dinner time we were never allowed to like goof off or sit silly or you know what we had to be like militant at the day at the table Hmm. or my dad would get really upset with us and that was still like so it was literally like I'm judging myself because my kid sitting here doing this means that he's not respecting me as a parent it means he's not safe because you know, mean dad's gonna come out, and then as a result, mean dad still comes out out of me. Yep. That's how wackadoodle and how crazy like our minds can be when we are not fully self aware. And so here I am beating myself up, but then my son's getting beaten up in in the not, not physical we got to be careful like what people (laughs) hear. like i'm i'm internally my dialogue emotionally right and i'm yelling at my kid and i'm triggered and i'm mad at him because honestly i was just not healed or aware of stuff going on from all the way back into my childhood you know
0: Mm. and all that happened within a split second yeah yeah and that's the power of the curiosity the exploration the working with a professional, because, you know, like I said, like you said, you work with me. I, I worked with a coach and still do. I know still you do. still, yeah, <laughs> because it is different when it's you in your own yeah. world. I do the same. It makes me kind of laugh and like, Oh, the other day I totally lost my crap on my son in the car. Cause he forgot his school ID for the second day in a row.
1: <laughs> and, but it was
0: <laughs> to look at the offense and how I responded. It did not make sense. And so, first thing I did when I got them to school I was like, "Wow, Michelle, where did that come from? What's going on? What were you, what were you really feeling like? What did this remind you of?" And did some exploration. And then immediately, you know, called my coach and said, "Hey, we haven't met in a couple weeks." And there's some different, you know, also just the full reality. The holidays are coming. You know, there's different dynamics in my world with uh, being divorced now and all that stuff and being there and being present for my kids and their emotions. I'm like, oh, I think this is a good time for me to make sure that I have the support I need as well. So I think that's part of it is so much of our responses are quick and especially to the women listening some of this to you probably sounds completely foreign and no, that's okay. Because Katie and I, we, we were there. I had no idea that I would be sitting here in this moment with this awareness and even helping other women have it. Facts.
1: <laughs> I, I think, I think too, because and I love that you own the fact that you're like, this just happened the other day. Right. And it's like, Because I know some women are listening and they're like, wait, so I don't like see you and I'm like not cured for the rest of my life. Like, and, and I think that's such an important lesson, because I know there's lots of coaches out there who like to claim big claims and stuff like that. And it's like, look, in all reality, there's no arrival. Hmm. There's no state of perfection that we're going to get to. In fact, a big part of uh, uh, coping with alcohol comes from chasing perfectionism. Like that's a huge, we can, we can talk about that forever, right? Yeah. Is like, you know, let's, let's just dive in that. But there's no way we're going to ever just go like, oh, perfect. no, because we are human beings with complex emotions and feelings. And the thing is, is we are getting better we're doing better. We are learning more. And the, the ultimate question is, is when you get to your end of your life, I always say, I love this. Cause I, I, people like to be like, wow, it's morbid Katie. And I go, I like to spend time with deathbed Katie, hmm. me on my deathbed. She is wise. She doesn't care about what other people think of her. She ain't trying to impress anyone. She knows exactly what she wants. And so when I go to spend time with Deafbed Katie, looking back on me in my life right now, is she going to regret me just flipping on my Netflix show and sitting down and drink my glass of wine as I numb out and flip my shit over every little thing in my, that's going on going wrong in my life? Or, you know, is she going to be proud of that kind of life that she led or, or even as imperfect as I am going through this life and navigating my own divorce and being present with my kids and having my own feelings and still not completely being like perfect in my responses, right. As, as bumpy road, as this healing journey is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world because I can get to the end of my life and absolutely know without a shadow of a doubt. I did absolutely everything within my power to live the very best life I possibly could. And, and then the rest is completely up to thank God for his sanctification and mercy because, because we need that, you know, we wouldn't if we were ever going to arrive to perfection. Right. And uh, I tell people that all the time, I have a therapist, I have a coach, I'll probably never be without one. And they're like, well, that just seems like a lot. it's like, do you need that? Like, no, you don't actually need that. You don't, you don't need that in life at all. But I'm, um, my goal is to not try to DIY the one and only life I live. Hmm. Right. Like that's not a DIY project for me anymore. And I want to make sure that I am still always growing and always aware of my blind spots. And, uh, that's a goal. I hope that most people can, you know, also adapt.
0: Hmm. Well, I have nothing else. That was a beautiful way to end this. <laughs> Deathbed Katie. Deathbed,
1: Katie. Yeah. <laughs> can,
0: when you first say it, it sounds, uh, yeah, people will be, oh man, but, and I'll react, know. you know, there's been tons and tons of surveys and, you know, things out there where people do, and they go, you know, what... You know, what regrets do you have or what do you wish you spent more time on or time with? And nobody says, oh, I wish I would have drank more or shopped more or watched more TV or, you know. worked
1: Worked more.
0: Worked more. Absolutely. So I know that my women are just going to adore you and want to know more and hear more. Tell them where they can
1: find you. Yes, um, they can. So I run a free Facebook community on um, Facebook called Intimacy Revolution. And then um, that's also same tag at Intimacy Revolution underscore revolution for Instagram. And then you can also hear my podcast, um, The Katie May Show, and that's uh, K-A-T-I-E and then M-A-E. So the Katie may show, um, on anywhere you can listen to the podcast. Awesome. I've enjoyed,
0: Bye.
1: I've enjoyed our time, you too, girl. Thanks so Thanks much for having me.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. Hey friend, before you go, I want to make sure that you know about the free masterclass that is available for you. It's the five steps to help you stop over drinking without stress and overwhelm. Download it for free today at setfreesisterhood.com slash masterclass. I would love for you to come join the Facebook community too. I will put the link in the show notes. And if you're ready to see what support would look like so that you could start walking out your future of being alcohol free and stepping into the woman who God is calling you to be, email me at michelle at setfreesisterhood.com. Until next time, stay blessed.